Um, table question we're just going to talk about real quick um, around your table. Have you ever been lost before? How did you find your way to safety? Take a couple of minutes around your table. Have you ever been lost before? How did you find your way to safety? Take two minutes. Okay, for a show of hands, how many have been lost before truly? How many of you have been lost before? Just raise your hands. So a few have been lost before. Well, I don't know if you heard the story. Recently, um, actually over August, there was a lady by the name of Miss Hardwood. I'm not going to try to say her first name because I'm from Georgia, and I would just butcher it. So it's just going to be Mrs. Hardwood, okay? She, um, she was lost in the Sierra National Forest uh, for nine days. Um, 62 years old. She had just started with this hiking group, and they left base camp, and they went back up to um, did a day hike. So she had very little stuff with her, had a whistle with her, had a water filter bottled with her, but really not anything major because, again, it was supposed to be a day trip. Something happened. She got separated, and when they did the roll call at base camp, they realized she wasn't there. She was lost. And they did a massive search for her and went looking for her. She was lost for nine days in the Sierra National Forest. This was a time when all the fires were going on. So they have all these agencies out looking for her, and uh, people on horseback riding, they had Black Hawk helicopters coming in, but again, because of the smoke, it was not very effective. Um, she crawled. She, she had multiple broken bones. She crawled for two days. She seen water, and she knew where she needed to be, and she knew how important the water was. So she crawled for two days to find the water. She got the water, and then on day nine, she heard crews close by, and she brought that whistle with her. She didn't have a lot of strength. She had ate nothing in these nine days. I mean, she did actually, I take it back, she did have maybe a snack or something that she had again for a day that she rationalized for that whole week, but she was very weak. But on day nine, she heard voices in the, in the, uh, in the area, and she started blowing a whistle. <whistles> started blowing a whistle. <whistles> and the crews found her and rescued her. And one of the things she said after the rescue in an interview, she says, she was so grateful that the search and rescue teams never gave up hope. Nine days, 62 years old, how would you do? Search and rescue says, it, the uh, definition says it's for provision and aid of people who are in distress or imminent danger. I don't know of anyone who would be in more intimate danger than the lost or the wandering. Join me in prayer. Father God, I just thank you for the opportunity today to be here and to uh, just do the teaching. And Father God, it's not me, it's you. And I thank you for the spirit that's moving inside of me right now as I speak. Be with us and open our hearts, including mine, as we bring a word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you got your Bibles, and it's also already in your half sheets there, if you will turn to James 5, 19 and 20. James 5, 19 and 20. So this summer in Dust Patrol, we had the opportunity to unpack the book of James. It was Meet Jimmy. And throughout the whole book, James is very specific of who he's, he's writing to. He's writing to the 12 tribes scattered. And, but these are, these are Christians. These are the wandering. These are people who have heard the message, accepted the message, and are going a different way. Can any of you relate? Have you ever been that way? Have you ever doubted? Have you ever just started going a different path? Not willingly, just happened that way. With James, this same James, this is the James, of course, the half-brother of Jesus. This is the same James who mocked Jesus. The same James 
that thought he was crazy, along with his other siblings. The same James that seen Jesus when he returned, and then from that moment on became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. That's the James who's writing this right here. So James 5, 19 through 20. My brothers and sisters, if any one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring the person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. The message puts it this way, my dear friends, if you know people who have wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. Go after them. Get them back and you will have rescued precious lives from destruction and prevented an epidemic of wandering from God. The voice says that, brothers and sisters, if someone you know loses his way and rebels against God, pursue him in love and bring him back to the truth. Know this, if you turn a sinner back from the error of his ways, then you will rescue him from the grips of death and cover the pain and consequences of unsold sins. So why is it so critical to look for those wandering or lost? I think to begin with, the first thing is, is obvious. One wrong turn could lead you further from the truth. One wrong turn could lead you further from the truth. Ms. Harwin, when she's going down this path, and if you've ever been in the woods before, a lot of times you're going down somewhere and everything looks, it's all open. It looks like it's the place you're supposed to be. But then the next thing you know, things are starting to get a little bit more bushy. The path is not quite as clear. And again, we've all been down that way, more doctrinally speaking, not so much in the woods. It comes in different ways, those paths. The paths can be temptations, deceptions, persecution. Some of the trails like money, anger, sexual immorality, the wrong crowd, are just in some of our sinful natures and causes us to deviate out from the main path. 1 Timothy 6.10 talks about this, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I can't tell you how many countless stories I hear of people who have a lot of money who are just miserable. Money doesn't make it miserable. There's nothing wrong with having money. The problem when you have the love of money is the problem. Jeremiah 14.10 says, They greatly love to wander. They do not restrain their feet. I've been down that path before. I gave my life to Christ when I was in middle school. I went with the wrong crowd in high school and eventually went off into the Navy. When my wife met me in the Navy, there's no doubt she had a clue that I was a Christian, the way I was living. Wasn't restraining my feet. Wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. Wasn't doing what I was brought up to do. Grandfather was a pastor. And I know Mark had mentioned this last week, how, how much of a burden a pastor has for his flock. And they have a lot of burden. But I don't know how many sons or daughters or grandkids of pastors that are in this room here, but you have some big shoes to fill as well. It was really tough growing up in a small town when your grandfather was a pastor that everybody knew, and I was a little rebellious guy. My kids can't do that. They're not allowed to. <laughs> but... You know, you just you get in this moment, and next thing you know, you're, you're going down the wrong path. 1 Timothy 4.16 says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Watch your life and doctrine closely. The devil's on a 24-7 mission, and that's to destroy each and every one of us. 
it's apparent, it's very clear. Somebody I think you will know, um, Billy Graham. How many of you know Billy Graham? Yeah. Billy's still alive. I think we've got a picture of Billy right here. Billy is right here on the right, as you can imagine. Still looks like he is today. <laughs> Just about 60 years older, I think. Well, Billy Graham had that same moment of doctrine, of where things just didn't seem right. It was in the 1940s, and Billy had just done a crusade in Pennsylvania, and the, uh, the crusade didn't go good. It was a flop. And he started questioning himself, you know, is evangelist really for me? Is that really what I was called to do? Should I just go back to school and study? It'll take me out of the ministry, but maybe that's what God really wants me to do. He started questioning what he should do. He started questioning the doctrine. He went and was supposed to speak at a uh, retreat at Forest Home down by L.A. And he got there the day before he was speaking, and he decided that he needed to go for a walk. He goes for a walk, and there's a stump that's there. And he takes his Bible, and he puts it on that stump, more as an altar than anything else. And he started talking to God, the Spirit coming into him, and he says, I can't understand everything that's in this book. Science is making questions. I've got friends like Chuck Templeton that are questioning my intellect, and I, I don't know what to say to them. I don't understand everything that's in here. There's some things that seem to be contradicting this in this book. But he gets down on his knees with that Bible. And he says, from this moment on, I'm going to take this word as being divine, as being holy, as everything that's in it. That moment on, he got up the next day. Henrietta Mears, who invited Billy to speak at that retreat, said, there was a power and there was a passion in Billy that she had never seen before. 400 people gave their life to Christ that night. Because of that path, because of that moment in time where Billy says, I can't explain it, I don't know, but this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to believe. A couple of weeks later, that's when the 1949 crusades in L.A. It was supposed to last three weeks. It lasted eight weeks because of the amount of people, because of that tree stump prayer. Chuck Templeton, the gentleman over here on the left, him and Billy were really the top evangelists back in the, in the 40s. Templeton from Canada. And here's one of the arguments that he had. Chuck says, all of our differences came to a head in discussion, which better than anything I know explains Billy Graham and his phenomenal success as an evangelist. In the course of our conversation, I said, but Billy, it's simply not possible any longer to believe, for instance, the biblical account of creation. The world was not created over a period of days of a few thousand years. It has evolved over millions of years. It's not a matter of speculation. It's demonstrable fact. Billy says, I don't accept that. And there are reputable scholars who don't. Who are the scholars, says Templeton? Men in conservative Christian colleges? 
Billy says, yes, most of them. But that's not the point. I believe the Genesis account of creation because it's in the Bible. I've discovered something in my ministry. When I take the Bible literally, when I proclaim it as the Word of God, my preaching has power. When I stand at the platform and say, God says what the Bible says, the Holy Spirit uses me. There are resorts. Wiser men than you or I have been arguing questions like this for centuries. I don't have the time or the intellect to examine all sides of theological dispute. So I decided once and for all to stop questioning the Bible as God's word. But Billy, I protest, you cannot do that. You don't dare stop thinking about the most important question in life. Do it and you begin to die. It's intellectual suicide. I don't know about anybody else, Billy said, but I decided that's the path for me. What path are you taking? Be careful of the trails. It's important to stay on the path. How do we do that? Number two, some lost or wandering are for the wilderness. Some lost or wandering are not equipped for the wilderness. You see, we go into the wilderness without the right gear. What would have happened to Miss Harwood if she didn't go in even for a day trip, to have a whistle. Some go without a light. We head off in the wilderness, no map, not prepared, not equipped, not trained, and oftentimes alone. Psalms 119, 105, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. I recently went back to my uh, grandmother's funeral, and I had the opportunity to do a eulogy. And I, I mentioned this verse in Psalms 119 because when I was young, my, my grandmother actually encouraged me one time going to church with her to put the word on my heart. She encouraged me to memorize a verse, and I'll never forget it. Who knows if I'm not here right now because of that encouragement that she put on me and that word that she put on me. Many POWs, many people who are, are, are lost remember and recount that they had the word on their heart and they used that when they were in that situation. Don't take it for granted. I don't know about you, but I have three or four of these at my house. Probably more than that. We take it for granted. Whereas there's many who don't even have a Bible to their name. Put the word on your heart. Ephesians 6.11 Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, Paul says. And then Psalms 25, 4 to 5, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Teach me. If you're going to go in the wilderness, have a plan. Make sure you have the word. That's the light that you need. And I also mentioned about being alone, right? I don't think I have this in your half sheets, but Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down and one can help the other, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Being a man, I get struggled with that all the time. I've shared this many times. I had a deck I rebuilt recently where I had so many brothers to offer help, but I was too proud to take the help. Fortunately, I had one brother that came about to the moment where I was about ready to rip the whole deck apart. We just get ourselves there. 
we go at things alone, and that's the wrong way to do. I love Survivor shows. We watch them almost nonstop. My wife, she's a trooper. I'm, I love camping. I grew up in the, on a farm, grew up in just going into the woods. We just, we love that. We didn't have to deal with no games, Game Boy, PlayStation, Xbox. We went in the woods. We have fun. That's what we did. With some of the Survivor shows, Fat Guys in the Woods, Dual Survivor, all of those, kind of the repeated thing that they always talk about, again, is being prepared, having the right equipment, having your stuff so you can go out there and survive and then see another day. I don't know how many of you know Chris Candless. In his book, uh, not his book, uh, one of the best-selling books, Into the Wild, as well as a movie that was made back in the early 90s, Chris was from California. And he journeyed across the states, and of course, if you know anything about the United States, there's always, even if you're traveling, there's good people, there's places to get something to eat, there's things that you can do. Well, he finally had enough and decided to go up to Alaska. He was just going to go by himself. One of the, place, one of the locals tried to stop him. He had a twenty-two rifle, had some bullets, had a little guidebook of the local things, what you could eat and what you, you couldn't eat. Um... Wrong clothes, didn't have any clothes with him, no map, and had 10 pounds of rice, and that was it. Chris goes up to Alaska again by himself. Four months, hunters finally found his body, which weighed 67 pounds. He had starved to death. A lot of them criticized, saying he was selfish and unprepared for his trip. He was there without a map, proper survival gear, and had gone to great lengths to make it impossible for anyone to find him. There's a lot of us not really any different than Chris. The sad part is sometimes we don't know it until we get too far down that road. Number three, if not found, it could lead to death. Why is it so critical? If not found, it could lead to death. Again, James is talking right here about the wandering, and the wandering being those who accepted Christ, who accepted that free gift, what we would say is apostasy, decided to give that gift back to God. 1 John 3, 4 says, The consequences of sin are such that sinners are condemned to eternal punishment and cannot save lives. Revelation 3.16 says, So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Pastor Mark did a uh, recent series that's really good about vital signs. I can't encourage you enough. If you're not here, if you missed that series, if you're new to Home Builders, it's back there at the Resource Center. Be sure to listen to that. You can listen to it online for free, but there's also a workbook to go along with it. And then Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Death is coming, whether you're lost, but if you're wandering, it's just a sad thing. I'm going to have Robert put the picture back up. So Chuck Templeton, again with uh, Billy Graham there, many said Chuck Templeton would actually go on to be greater than Billy Graham. But shortly after that argument, or just actually a discussion with Billy Graham, Chuck Templeton went on to go to Princeton University, where he really started to question his doctrine. Within 10 years, he became agnostic. 10 years. And this is the same guy from Canada. Him and Billy did many uh, outreaches 
crusades together. Good friends, really close friends. And Chuck went down a different route. Lee Strobel, many of you know who, who also was, uh, he was actually an atheist and actually tried to disprove the Bible and later on became a Christian as a result of that. Many years later, 30-plus years later, Lee Strobel did an interview with Chuck Templeton. He started off and says, how do you assess this Jesus? It seemed like the next logical question, but I wasn't ready for the response it would evoke. He was the greatest human being who has ever lived. He was a moral genius, Templeton said. His ethical sense was unique. He was the the wisest person that I've ever encountered in my life or in my readings. His commitment was total and led to his own death, much to the detriment of the world. What one could say about him except that this was a form of greatness. I was taken back, says Lee Strobel. You sound like you really cared about him. Well, yes, he's the most important thing in my life. I, I, he stuttered a few times and finally says, I know it may sound strange, but I have to say I adore him. Everything good I know, everything decent I know, everything pure I know, I learned from Jesus. Yes, and tough. Just look at Jesus. He castigated people. He was angry. People don't think of him that way, but they don't read the Bible. He had a righteous anger. He cared about the oppressed and exploited. There's no question that he had the highest moral standard the least duplicity, the greatest compassion of any human being in history. There have been many other wonderful people, but Jesus is Jesus. Oh, but no, he's the most important, he stopped and then started again. In my view, he is the most important human being who has ever existed. That's when Templeton uttered the words I've never expected him to say. And he says, if I could put it this way, as his voice began to crack, I miss him. With tears flooding in his eyes, he turned his head and looked downward, raised his hand to shield his face. He couldn't see him crying. Fought back to tears and finally said enough of that and ended the interview. Templeton died in 2001, about six years later after this interview. And he wrote his final book, Farewell to God. Farewell to God. He never turned back. The gift that he accepted, he gave it back. Which is a sad thing. I want to talk to you real, or at your table real quick, a discussion question. If I can find a discussion question. I've lost it kind of goes along with this uh, message right here. Robert, we have the, here we go. If you were lost spiritually, would someone come looking for you? If you were lost spiritually, would someone come looking for you? Take a couple of minutes around your table. So hopefully around your tables, hopefully there's somebody even sitting there at your table who would come looking for you, right? Hopefully you're not out there by yourself. That's a sad place to be. So the question comes up of, are you searching Are you searching? Does that person have to wave an SOS? Are you searching? Are you looking for that person or people? Ezekiel 34, 6 says, My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth, 
and no one searched or looked for them. I'm reminded as we begin the very beginning of this, and one of the things I think one of the most tensions that I had with this, this whole verse in James was the wandering is just one piece. What about the lost? What do we do about the lost? What about the ones that never make it up here on this hill, that never hear the message? We're all called to be members of the search and rescue team. That's the Great Commission. It's not just a pastor's job. It's not just one, a leader's job. We're all called. Number one, some of us treat it as an option, not a command, which is simply not true. It's not an option. It is a command. A quote I just read says, it's not the great suggestion, it's the great commission. Can you relate to that? Here's some sad stats. Only a small fraction of the church actively shares the faith with the lost. Less than one in ten will share their faith with at least one other person in a lifetime. Only one in 20 will ever lead someone to faith in Christ during their life. That's some pretty sad stats. I was convicted last week in Dust Patrol. Henry Duran, our, our very first, right after our tailgate party, the reason we did the tailgate party is obviously not just to look at really cool cars and motorcycles, although that was fun. The whole point of it is to get men up on this hill who normally would not come to this church, who normally would not step because they hear so much about church and, of course, the hypocrites and everything like that. And I agree, I've been one of those before. But we had a guest that came on our very first, uh, right after the tailgate party, the Dust Patrol. And it's the first time he's ever been. Not a believer. His name was Chuck. The next Sunday, I was in the lobby down there. Chuck comes in. He gets a new believer's packet. And he even tells me then, he says, I'm going to bring somebody with me next Wednesday. Next Wednesday, Chuck comes in with Victor. He brought somebody else. And it's sad. Because I'm looking at a bunch of Christian men, and they don't have anybody with them. This guy's already figured it out, and he's just now a Christian. What's up with that? We're all part of the search and rescue team, right? Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. John says, and Jesus said, peace be with you as the Father sent me, I am sending you. Not an option, it's a command. Acts 1.8, Paul writes, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jer- Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I just like that back, Paul wrote that Jesus said it. John Piper says, go, send, or disobey. That's convicting. Go, sin or disobey not an option it's a command john wesley says you have one business on earth to save souls that's the business we should be in number two be prepared just as we talked about not being equipped when we're going into the wilderness we need to be prepared if we're going to be sharing the gospel 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. 
If you were in Home Builders earlier in the year, we did a series, Andy Stanley, Be Prepared. If I had any other resource that I could highly recommend to you, look at that DVD series. Especially when you were talking about do it in love. Andy puts it in a very subtle way to sit there and reach those who are lost, to tell them about the hope. Nothing can even compare, though, to your personal testimony. What you did with your life. We've all been there. We've all had our different lives. 1 Corinthians 9, through 23 says, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. One thing that Paul writes on here, it's funny. He says, I might save some. He's not taking the burden to save them all. And neither should you. But have you invited somebody to church from your neighborhood? What about work? What about a family member? Nothing wrong with praying for them. The Spirit can move. Spirit can use, the Spirit can do things that you and I can't do, period. Just like we've seen this morning, a miracle. Doctor says, no, can't have it. As Jeff said this morning, it, it happened. That's God. He's still in the miracle business. Carl Henry says, the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. Don't know how? Again, Andy Stanley's be prepared. The small group series starts today, actually, October 4th. I don't know if there's uh, sign-ups still in there or if they have them over there in the, uh, the main service. One of the ones I looked on on there is Go Fish, and it talks about sharing your faith. Sign up in a small group, in a Bible study. There's not one that fits your schedule? Start one. Lead one. Again, not an option. It's a command. Get prepared for it. Life transformation seminars. If you've been to 101, 201, 301, 401 talks about missions, and it talks about sharing your faith. 401 changed my life, I can tell you that. My wife and I went to 401. I really prayed to God about God using me in the missions and using me to be a disciple. Be careful what you pray for. And about three months later, Pastor Mark calls me on my phone as I'm heading home. And he says, you've been on my heart. I want you to go on a missions trip. I made every excuse in the whole world that I couldn't go. I said, my work will never let me go. And if you knew my work, you'd understand. They, it's, it's a, you know, they need me there. And uh, at least I thought. I went and told them, expecting them to say no, and I figured that would be the end of the story. Went there, and they said, uh, yeah, you need to go. You need to do this, because it was going to be two weeks. And I'm like, oh, man, that was my out. <laughs> now what am I going to do? And then, of course, I needed a passport. Well, I've been in the Navy, but I've really never been out of the country. Been on the ship, but never been out of the country. So I didn't have a passport. So I had to call and get a passport. Well, guess what? That takes some time. And I needed to get this done sooner rather than later. So I called the post office to schedule an appointment. And it's going to be like 30 days. And that wasn't going to work. And I even asked the lady, uh, I said, do you have any cancellations? How many of you have been to DMV before? (laughs) This lady, I think, transferred from the DMV. (laughs) She was not happy that I called. She was definitely not happy that I uh, asked a question. I said, is it possible you guys have cancellations? And she says, no. I said, could you take my number and call me back in case you have a cancellation? She says, yes. 
In my mind, I'm thinking she no more. She didn't write my number down at all. She's doodling on a piece of paper somewhere. Sincerely, probably within five minutes, my phone rings. She says, is this Mr. Carter? And I said, yes, it is. She says, I have a cancellation tomorrow at 1 o'clock. I'm starting to run out of excuses. <laughs> I got to let Pastor Mark know, and uh, I'm, I'm worried. And then the next thing was, of course, financial. And my wife and I talked about it. And we had money set aside, and my wife... She, you know, she says, you need to go. You need to do this. All because of 401. All because of go make disciples of all nations. It was really convicting. I can't encourage you enough to go. Maybe your outcome won't turn out like mine, but maybe it will. And lastly, never give up. Just one matters. Pastor Mark touched on this last week. Suppose one of you has 100 sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there would be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Matthew 18.14 says, in the same way your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Because just one matters. Robert, do we have, can we put my, my friend Chris up on the screen? There's my friend Chris. Chris was lost for, they expect, maybe six or seven years. This is not the same sheep that past, it took Pastor Mark an hour to get out. Can you imagine if he would have been digging this sheep right here out? Now, what does he look like without the wool? That's Chris. 95 pounds of wool is what they sheared off of Chris. He had never been sheared before. Some folks, his shepherd, his shepherd never came looking for him. He was lost, sincerely. He didn't have anybody looking. But then some, some uh, shepherds actually, not anything part of Chris, just happened to see him and knew that he would die. If he was not rescued right away because of all the wool, he, he would die. He would not make it through the summer. Because just one matters. John Stott says, we must be global Christians with a global vision because our God is a global God. Pastor Larry said it well last week. He says, we've got to get outside of this door when he's preaching to Matthew. It's great what we have going on here. It's great the communities we have. They're wonderful. But church is far more than what's inside these walls. Church is outside, outside these doors. Never give up. Never give up. I have a cousin. Um, his name is Kevin, and he... Uh, He's probably 55 now, and Kevin, if you're watching this right now, I'm sorry if I got it wrong, but uh, early on, as soon as he finished high school, he moved in with my grandfather and my grandmother. Grandfather, again, pastor. And once again, just because you're the son or daughter or just because you're the grandkids doesn't mean you're just going to be a Christian. It doesn't work that way. And Kevin went many years going down his own path. 
many years. And I'll never forget when my uh, mom called me on the phone one night, and it was, I always worry when they call me because there's three-hour time difference, something happens, and I never know what, you know, is there a death in the family, what's going on? And she had so much excitement. She says, you won't believe what happened. And I said, what? She says, Kevin gave his life to Christ. And the sad part, honestly, for me was that I didn't have any hope into that. You know, Miss Harwood earlier, she says the greatest thing she has is that she, that the search and rescue team never gave up hope. And I was really convicted of that, that my cousin, who eternity could be impacted, that me personally, that I had really given up hope. I didn't think he was going to change. And he's changed. And then this, 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 when I went to my grandmother's uh, funeral this past, him and his wife, I stopped by Dairy Queen, which is something I have to do when I'm back there. There's something about ice cream. There's something about ice cream in, in Georgia, especially the Dairy Queen. We stopped by there, and my cousin and his wife came in. And they just came from church. And it was a beautiful thing just to see that he's involved and he's home. You know, we'll have eternity. We may be separated by the miles now, but we have eternity to catch up with. Just one matters. Never give up. Let's finish the discussion question. Who do you know that needs to be rescued? Take a couple minutes around your table. Who do you know that needs to be rescued? Well, this is good. It sounds like there's a lot of people who needs to be rescued out there. That's encouraging. So I hope one takeaway that you leave here with, we all need to be searching We all need to be looking. We all need to be rescuing someone. And I hope the Spirit puts that person, he or she, family member, neighbor, whoever, on your heart. And this week you pray about it, and you get the opportunity to uh, make this more than just inside of the walls. Make it something outside of these walls as well. Uh, This week, uh, just a reminder, uh, women's retreat. I can't think of, uh, I've never been to the women's retreat before. But the men's retreat, I can, I can vouch for that. It's, it is a true Sabbath. It is a time. Is it better than the tailgate party? So if you're not signed up for that, that's just one way to, to get involved, get into the search and rescue mission. Bring somebody, invite somebody. And another thing, uh, guys, if you're not in Dawn or Dust Patrol, get there. I can't encourage you enough. Don't do this journey alone. Do it with some brothers in the trenches. Uh, It's helped me, and I know it'll help you. Um, Next week, as far as conclusion, we're going to have Pastor Mark and the team from Cuba are going to be sharing. So the women's retreat will be gone, or the women's will be gone. Most women will be gone. Um, But uh, those who are here, uh, Pastor Mark and the team will be um, sharing about Cuba. And then we'll start up the following week back to um, AKA, also known as, to see what our godly name is going to be said next. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. I thank Pastor Mark for the invite. It's a blessing. It truly is. Um, I'm going to close this in prayer. As always, if you can kind of help us to uh, pick things up. Um, I'm actually probably letting you out like a minute early. So uh, you can uh, help us break the tables down. That would be an awesome. Um, Just join me in prayer.